0: Love
1: Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now the host of the Core Business Show, Tim Oh uh,
2: Well, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of the Core Business Show, I'm Tim Jake. Today we have a, on our show today Edwin Hawkins. It's a rebroadcast interview. Uh, take a listen. A great interview. Great music at towards the end of the at the end of the show. Again, here's our interview with Edwin Hawkins.
0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jiquet, sponsored by Apple Capital Groups. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet.
2: Well, welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Uh, Tonight, we have our special guest is Edwin Hawkins, four-time Grammy Award winner. Uh, we're gonna talk about his life, his ministry, and his music. If you have any questions, if you can I invite you to call in. The number is 347-324-3460. Again, it's 347-324-3460. If you do call in, we ask you to turn down your radio and on the keypad, just press one so we know you have a question. I see a lot of numbers in the queue, but if you do have a question, just the press the number one and I know you have a question. Also, if you have a question, you can post it in the chat room or Twitter on uh, hashtag Apple Capital Group, and I'll go ahead and read it on the air. Edwin Hawkins, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Great. With
2: you, with you. I, I really appreciate your time. Wow, an institution, and uh, your legacy is just amazing for over well over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Can you t- tell us something a little bit different that uh, about Edwin Hawkins that the general public have never uh, known?
3: <laughs> well, it's hard for me to guess what they've never known But uh, I don't know if they know that I am the fifth child of eight children Wow <laughs> My parents had eight children, they wanted four and Ended up with twice as many Wow uh, We grew up in, in the projects, Campbell Village, Oakland, California mm-hmm. And uh, that was my first home My my first recollection was a piano that was there when I came home from the hospital Where all the boys learned to pl- play keyboard there on that old piano We no longer have it Mm -hmm. Uh, As soon as I was able, of course, I wanted a Steinway, so I bought a Steinway. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my parents were able to see the success of of our first venture, which was something that we were not striving for. We weren't looking for uh, a record deal as such. We, uh, as a Hawkins family, sing at somebody's church almost every Sunday afternoon growing up. Wow. And um, you, know, so, you know, my father would drive us there. Sometimes he would sit out in the car and wait. He was not a Christian, but he supported everything that we did. He later became a Christian after uh, mm-hmm. Walter started his church. <clears throat> but we did we sang in someone's church every every Sunday, and also did a broadcast on Sunday night live with a, a quartet called the Royal Four of Oakland, wow. California. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if people know that we did that. Uh, so as the years went on. Uh, my two older sisters got married and it kind of destroyed the family group as such, and then uh, Walter put back something together when uh, they, on his return from our, the road, because he was he was there from the initial mm-hmm. with the Edwin Hawkins Singers, and when he was called to the ministry, he decided to come back home and dedicate some time in putting things together there. So in the meantime uh my two sisters got back with him and, and they did some singing around different uh clubs actually in, in the Bay area. And uh, they were they were called Salah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people some people might have that, because you can get it from YouTube probably. But uh <clears throat> that was a thing where he uh had mentioned to us I think on one of the last trips that he toured with the Edwin Hawkins singers I think we were in Amsterdam where he shared that he had been called to the ministry and was going to go back home and start that. Wow. And so on my return, of course, we started that in our home. Uh, My parents were living then, and it just started with a prayer group, a prayer and Bible study on a Tuesday night every week. And uh, as they went around to these different clubs to sing, they invited young people that they knew had kind of uh, strayed away from the church and kind of rebelled, as I did uh some of the very rigid and legalisms that uh, the church put upon us as young people. Um, and that is how Love Center started. You know, he wanted to have a church where people could come, young people could come, and not feel condemned every, for being young. Wow. You know, and uh, that's sort of the way we were brought. I think with good intentions, I think the church just wanted to make sure that we were uh, living the way we should live so But it was just a little bit more than we could deal with uh, Because everything was a sin mm-hmm. And I'm sure some people could relate to that uh, So the church, the Love Center Was was the name that we chose And mm-hmm. uh, it drew so many young people from around the Bay Area That had left the traditional church And, and felt the freedom to come and, and, and worship And uh, Just an amazing ministry, one that saved my life Because I was really on my way somewhere else Even though I was still singing the gospel Wow It really saved my life
2: Wow, that's that's an amazing story uh, During your, your childhood, uh, were you guys involved in the high school uh, groups Or it just mainly you just focus on uh, church groups?
3: Well, I, I'd sing in the um, high school choir, as Walter did And uh, mm. there was even a special group that Walter singing called the Castleers Castle Mount High. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did participate in musical programs growing up in school.
2: Uh, did you play any other instruments besides piano? or uh, it's...
3: My older brother did play guitar a bit. And okay. um, he did some other things outside of gospel growing up. Uh, but that, the rest of us did all gospel. Wow.
2: I, I heard in another interview uh, a few years ago uh, I think uh, your brother was mentioning, Walter, that did you guys listen to,
3: I think your dad listened to country music? During yes, that? he did. Wow. we wake up every morning to <laughs> country <laughs> and western music. Uh, but in our home, we heard all kinds of music. My, my mother's brother, one of her younger brothers, was a professional jazz musician. Mm-hmm. And he'd often bring his band over, his whole band, and they would rehearse in the living room in the projects where we lived. Mm-hmm. We heard a lot of jazz. Then uh, her, her one of her younger sisters went to uh, college while she lived with us, and she liked pop music, so we heard a lot of pop music. Wow. So we heard a variety of kinds of music, and my mother, of course, bought uh, almost every gospel artist at that time, so we heard everything. And uh, so when we started to create, Walter and I and and Daniel, we started to pull from all all those different resources. Wow!
2: So it was just a mixture of just listening to other groups. Yeah.
3: And even the country western,
2: combining that into a style to make it your very own. Because everybody always talks about the Hawkins sound. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hear different stories of how it was created. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. a God gift. But it's, a, it's amazing just hearing all the influence that you guys from country western yeah. has. And you still hear parts of that in your music today. Um, well,
3: you know, I dare to say, I don't think... That you would hear any country. That was at least of my favorite. I didn't like country and western. Now contemporary country today, I, I can I can deal with that a bit. But back then it was very very traditional. Um, you know Hank Williams and I can't remember some of the names, but I, I didn't like it. I didn't. And we wondered, so why did Daddy listen to that country music? We <laughs> did. But of course I, I do know that I was influenced by the pop, jazz, R and B, and of course gospel.
2: It's really amazing just taking that one piece, uh, Old oh Happy Day, that if I listen to all the music during that contemporary time, this piece is so different. Uh it's it crossed the lines. How did you come up with Old oh Happy Day?
3: Uh, through the hymn. It was an old hymn that was written in the uh, I think mid or late seventeen hundreds actually in the hymn book. <laughs> and at that time I was not doing a lot of uh my own compositions. I did a few. Uh, but mostly I was taking older hymns and older songs that I'd heard and, and rearranging them, and "Old and oh, Happy Day was one of those.
2: Well, wow, and it's just the tune that came to you, and uh, you just sat down on the piano and just created it?
3: I did. Awesome. It was really part of that is from the original melody, then mm-hmm. uh, the rest of it I put together, yes. Okay.
2: And I know you mentioned, how did the choir come about, I think, that first performed it? It's just choir? Something- yeah, I think it was a choir. Was it a
3: group? That- it was a choir. In fact, it was a choir of about 46 voices. We had a um, myself along with Betty Watson put together a choir to to represent the church at that time, and mm-hmm. it was made up of uh, young people from around the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we the intent was to go to a convention that was held in Washington D.C. that coming year. And we did, and, and the first night uh, was a competition among all the youth choirs that would come to that convention annually.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, we came in second place, and on the return of home, we enjoyed staying singing together so much, we decided to stay together. So the following year, we did the recording, which was in 68, I think it was, and released in 69, on a two-track machine at a church, at our church in Berkeley, California. Wow. Uh, pastored by uh, Tremaine's grandfather, Pastor Bishop E.E. E. Cleveland. And um, on that two-track machine, and that, that was actually the track that went to underground rock radio first. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the gospel DJ started to play it. But that's where it hit, amazingly. And we were not looking for a record deal at that time. It just was uh, the way God planned it.
2: Wow. So that is still that original recording is the the same one from all those years?
3: Yes.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Wow. And how how did that, I mean, once they discover you, I mean, they just called you and say, hey, we just want you to do a recording, or how did that come out?
3: Well, at that time, Mm -hmm. uh, record companies pursued you, possibly Mm -hmm. if they heard anything about you, and, and we were pursued. We probably had maybe over 16 different major labels at that time. Uh, to call, wanting to, to uh, pick that project up. And uh, we decided to go with Buddha Records, which was a very brand-new company at, at the time. And <clears throat> advice of uh, some other people that were working with us, I knew absolutely nothing about the record business. All I knew was, that, you know, what my mother bought from record stores. You know, but um, the music business, we were all young and naive, and knew nothing about it. hmm so with the advice of uh, some of the adults we went with that particular company and um, the rest is history as they say. Yeah.
0: Wow.
2: I know
3: you have a lot of
2: compositions over the years and uh, I guess it would move forward to talk about uh, again about your sound um, and the music that you create how these things come to you I mean you have a lot of compositions
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, over this band period so as a, a composer, it just comes to you naturally, or you just wake up in two o'clock in the morning, and you get.
3: To- <laughs> no, I was not one to write during the night. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> if it didn't happen while I was awake, it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> I've heard a
3: lot of writers say they would either dream about a song or get up in the middle of the night and write. And I remember one time purposely putting a keyboard in my bedroom, as I thought that might happen with me, but it didn't. <laughs> so um, I I did most of my writing when I was wide awake.
2: Okay. So it just comes to you, these
3: tunes out of your head? Yes. Uh, you know, either inspired by something that you hear uh, from another artist, something you hear on the radio, or some music form It is uh, was the inspiration. So
2: do you write this down, or it's just all in your head, and you have to formulate it,
3: and when you go and teach it, you just teach it? Well, it's in your head, then you write it down. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the uh, questions that someone posed up um, posed: um, Some things that you've written came in books, and some haven't come in books. Mm-hmm. Uh, any plans of publishing an anthology or something in the future? We
3: do have plans, yes. Okay. Uh, plans on on that, as well as uh, writing the story, uh, which I really want to do um, at the right time. Okay. In the near future.
2: Is it during those years? Was it really hard to publish you know the uh, lexicon back in that time? Well, I'm sorry book, to miss that. Was
3: it was it hard to do what now?
2: Uh, during that time, maybe in the late 70s and the 80s, I know lexicon. I think it's lexicon music during that yeah. time. They were publishing little booklets during that time. Uh, do, during that part of that agreement, did they just say, "Hey, we'll publish some, and once it goes out of print, that's it"? Or uh, do you know that they have they license some of that music out?
3: Well, yeah. There, as as most artists did back in the day, we would sign like a fifty-fifty deal, and uh, out of ignorance again, you know, giving half your publishing to a company, and they would own it and uh, have the rights to deal with it legally. It may not have been righteously, but legally, we gave them half the song, so they actually owned half, and and uh, under contract, they had the the rights to release that or not release it. Wow. Uh, a lot has changed, thank God, for the okay. artists today. They don't have to give it away at all. In fact, they can hire uh, a publishing company to publish for them. Uh, so it is quite different now, quite different. Okay.
2: So you know, everything in, within that particular catalog during that time, they had the right to release it, and,
0: yeah. and if, if not,
2: it just won't happen.
0: Right. That's right. correct.
2: Okay. I guess you answered the, uh, question for on that one, because you saying, well, uh, why the uh, – You uh, don't have a lot of stuff in print.
3: Um, Now, I could. I could re release some things. Okay. uh, But then 50% of that still has to go back to that company. Okay.
2: Is that company still in existence or is this maybe a trust company
3: now? I think only a name. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Let's talk about your musical style. Uh, Yours is, is timeless. Um, I know we talked about it at the very beginning of the interview about how your influence in creating that style. Can you talk about how your pieces of music is so unique, that is so individual? We know when something is released by Edwin Hawkins, we know that's Edwin Hawkins. Hmm,
3: that's quite flattering. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because you don't you don't think in terms of purposely trying to. Create something that's going to be timeless, or something that's going to be unique, or something that people can point to and say that is Edwin. Because um, I tend to, I tend to think that a lot of gospel music, especially now,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, sounds so much alike. Uh, you know who it is basically when you are familiar with the artist
0: mm-hmm. or
3: the the uh, the performer or the voice. But so much of the music now, there's, there's not a lot of uniqueness. We tend to be very, very trendy wow uh, i i happen to get a collection of um I think Andre Crouch is called the Journey his newest project and uh what is wonderful about that project is he didn't forsake his style, nor did he try to become trendy in terms of the way that it's produced. It's just a wonderful production and wonderful music mm-hmm. and that that is what I would consider timeless. You know, it, when it's not so trendy, mm-hmm. when everybody has all the uh, special effects on the background voices, where you can hardly tell what voices are singing, or if they are really singing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I, that those kind of trends will wear and wear fast.
2: Wow. So, why do you think they have this trend that the the uniqueness is? Well,
3: a lot of it has to do with, I guess, the same thing that I did. Being younger, you you try, you want to kind of go with what is happening now. Uh, I think is where part of the word contemporary comes from. We want to be contemporary. We want to be uh, sound like what music sounds like, the way it's produced. We we kind of take our lead from what is being released in secular, mm-hmm. and nothing wrong with that. But that you know that's where the business is. Um, but I think sometimes we go a little bit too far in trying to be too too much like what the secular is doing. That uh, it sometimes becomes. Uh, what's the word um, We conform too much I think Or too close to what uh, Secular has done with music Okay and We lose the essence of the message Of the gospel um, And More concerned about The musical instruments or the Beat mm-hmm. and the Sound and uh we kind of lose the uh, essence of the message. You know, when, when we talk about anything that's labeled gospel,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, it's is talking about Jesus Christ because he is the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so when we have to figure out what people are singing about, then I don't think that is not gospel because it's not clear. Because the message of Jesus Christ is always clear. Wow. And I did the same thing. I did the same thing, you know, so I think we have to allow young people to be who they are, but someone needs to be there to guide them, which is you know what we try to do with with a music and arts conference, you know, give them some guidance, you know there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with hip hop and rap, you know if it is you know the gospel if you if you're gonna do it just for the sake of performances, then that that is between you and God. I can't condemn that,
2: wow. uh, I guess uh, since you just mentioned about the Music and art Conference, can you talk about the Music and Arts Conference? Sure. Uh, What's been going on and and the mission, and and are you having a conference this year?
3: We're doing what, for the first time, what is called a summit, and we're going to go in on Sunday afternoon. It will be the Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. What our attempt is to do is to bring the conference into the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So we're going to address the general Congress and allow them to have some input, questions, and uh, conversation on what we deal with around the curriculum that we have now
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and uh, so they can ask questions and try to bring everything current, up to date. So we're bringing in artists, of course. We always have Richard Smallwood, Donald Lawrence, uh, and many other artists that will be there to, to help us do this. Okay. Uh, dealing with the artists is more than just music. It's uh, the business of gospel music. Uh, of course, the ministry of gospel music, choir to corn, vocal technique. We even deal with drama. So, we have people that are in that profession that will show us how to go there and, and what to do with that because everything is done differently in this tech, new technology that mm-hmm. we're doing. So, that's going to be the approach. And it is only $25 of registration for those three days.
2: Wow. Well, and uh, where is it going to be held this year?
3: We're going to be in Las Vegas at the Monte Carlo. The dates are June 24th through the
2: 26th. Okay. Great. We have a caller uh, from area code 281 have a question. So give me a second. Let me put them online and ask your question. All right. Do you hear that beep? Uh, no. We don't hear a beep on the yet. Okay. All right. I hope
3: okay. I'm not going to lose you.
2: A uh, Caller 281, you on the air.
4: Yes. This is Lila Anderson. Hello, Tim. How are you today? Lila,
3: how are you doing? Great.
4: Fabulous. Well, hello, Mr. Hawkins. How are hello, you? Hello. How are you? Fabulous. I had a chance to talk with you when you came to Houston for mm-hmm. the uh, Music and Art Seminar that was at the Hotel Softel. Oh, yeah. Right. I think that yeah. was in 05 or 06. Uh, five. Oh, 06. It was 06. Yes. But it was a wonderful affair. I heard some beautiful songs. I've always been a fan of your music and delight in my sister and I played this song uh, I heard the voice of Jesus say oh, come on to me and rest that. I <laughs> picked that out by ear wow <laughs> and it yeah. we had a, bl- a, a blast playing that but my question is the songs that were done at the musical at Newmont Caveridge yes what happened to that recording how can uh, we get those and that was celebrating years, 25 years I think
3: wasn't it something like that celebration anyway
2: you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, his call dropped. I'm sure he's gonna call back in. Uh, what I'm gonna do is gonna play one song real quick, and he should be back on the air in a few minutes. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna play "Wonderful," one of his earlier hits.
4: Okay. Australia. Yes, I was just checking to see where we can get that recording from that musical uh,
3: We plan to release it in the near future Okay Okay
4: Great, great now, So how would it be issued uh, in the stores? Or
3: Well, yeah, you know, everything is changing So, like right now, there are hardly any gospel record stores There might be one or two And I think mm-hmm. we have one here in the Bay Area other okay. than that, uh Walmart and uh who else Target is carrying some, but in a minute they say you're only gonna be able to get stuff online. So okay. hopefully we'll have to see how it goes. Oh, okay. Thank you, All, man. Right.
4: All right, Thanks okay. for calling. Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> I guess it, it talk about to uh the release itself. Today things are so different than it was yeah. ten years ago. Right. Um isn't there a particular cause what happened to this entire industry that you, you don't have any music stores? I mean, the mm-hmm. best, only thing you have a choice of is really is buying something from um, uh, Amazon.com or JR Music. Uh, mm-hmm. Did Napster during that time kind of come in and just took away this particular industry, or was it something, uh, according to your experience, that was going to happen anyway?
3: Well, I think because of uh, given what's happening, with technology, it was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, we will always have something with this as we travel, and something that we can always mail out to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you mentioned Amazon, of course, iTunes. You can either download a single or the full project. I think what's what's going to be missing. Sometimes people don't get the... End. I like to look at the package so I know who's doing what. Mm-hmm. I want to know who produced it. I want to know... I want to read the credits. You know, that's the color to me. Uh, you can still do that, but I think it costs a little bit more. I've never done it, but I hear that it costs a little bit more to, to get the whole package uh, through the Internet. So mm-hmm. everything has changed so much, you know, and, and I'm not that person mm-hmm. to tell you how it's changed, how it's going to happen and what to look out for.
2: <laughs> so... Uh, going back to really uh, 15 years ago when Napster came on the scene, I know it's been an outcry by musicians uh, across the board. Even my grandfather was a jazz musician and some of other, mm-hmm. other, That, I mean, this this medium of uh, downloading music and sharing and yeah. so forth really kind of took the industry, you know, for a turn. They it was something that they... New in a sense was coming, but they didn't know the extent of it. Um, right think think it has it hurt the industry in a whole, and they trying to recover ten years later or twelve years later?
3: Um, well it it's hurt where some of the uh, the smaller companies were bought out by the larger companies, and you have maybe one or two major distributors now, or mm-hmm. major labels. And they're handling like uh, the, the big name artists, really in secular music, and some of them have smaller divisions for gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where it is now. There's just not really any major record companies handling gospel. You still have Word Records,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and I think Light is is distributed through them. Uh, but there are very few labels now. You know, it's why so many artists now are doing what they do online. Uh, Young people creating their own studios in their own homes mm-hmm. and uh reducing things like that and putting out putting this out on Amazon and itunes and uh so the industry is just so different now you know those of us that that were there years ago were having to adjust to all of that, whereas what young ones are doing now this is what they know to do because it's their time, it's their generation. wow.
2: Yeah, I know they have uh, like CD Baby, a lot of independents. They sell a lot yeah. of there, and and I guess I guess we just have to watch and see what happens. So maybe yeah. it comes around, but it's coming around in a different way. With even iTunes uh, is controlling a large part of the market uh, now. I guess uh, we'll just see what happens in the next five or ten years. Yeah,
3: now at least the artists are being paid. Now initially they were having problems collecting. Mm-hmm. even through iTunes when it first started, but now they're, they are being paid. They've changed the laws where the people have to pay for what they purchase on, online now.
2: Wow, and they're suing people uh, across the board, so it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of amazing. If we talk about the stress at, uh, for the particular career, I, I know, for example, some people say it's stressful to be an artist today, uh, or even in the past it's really stressful what type of stress is that one uh can anticipate if you're going to be a gospel artist, you're going to get out there? What type of stress is that the person is going to really have to face?
3: Well, I think probably the, the major thing is getting your product played on radio mm-hmm. in in regular rotation, that is um they used to call it Paola. Mm-hmm. It's probably done it's probably the same thing with a different name now. Okay. Because uh, if you listen to gospel radio, you're going to hear a, a lot of the same songs over and over again, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm for them playing whoever they play. Um, I listen to a lot of the praise channel, so you hear artists, some names that you know I can't put faces with, because I haven't met some of the artists. But there's some good artists, and wonderful talent. Wow. Uh, so that, but that is a major thing. You need to have someone that's able to get your music played for you. You know, if your manager can't do it, um, another one.
2: Wow. So, um, or you just, I know there's a lot of independence when it comes to gospel. I mean, you just have to, if you can't get them to do it, then you just probably have to pick up the phone and sell yourself and try to get it played.
3: If you can. If you can. And, uh, I mean, the, the way it, it's set up, it, those that are in control, unless you know somebody, it doesn't really work that way. The artist should not have to to fend for themselves in terms of airplay. Okay. You need people there um, talking for you and promoting for you. A promotional team is what it really takes. Okay.
2: And we talk about promotional yeah. team. If they come on, if they're trying to break into the industry, what advice would you give them? Do they need a publicist? Do They need a manager? How will they operate themselves? As all people? of the above. All the above.
3: All the above, yes.
2: And what should they look for as a publicist and
3: what they should look for in a manager? Um, well, for the managers is most important, and mm-hmm. your manager should know who the publicists are, ah. and uh, they should be able to obtain someone for you. You shouldn't have to look for the publicist yourself. But if you have a good manager, they should know that they have to look for a promotional team.
2: Okay. And what's a promotional team for some people who don't know?
3: Well, for those uh, someone is going to get your get you airplay and mm-hmm. get you visible, you know, try to get dates for you, help you to get dates and uh, get interviews, such as uh, I'm doing with you right now,
0: <laughs> to get you
3: heard. Um, oftentimes, it, you know, the two they all kind of work together. Because um, I'm thinking now that you need someone That can put you if, When there's an event happening Either you can be the opening act Or something like that You want to be visible You want to be seen uh, Bobby Jones has a great platform Where he's introducing new artists all the time Get you on Bobby Jones' show Get you on the Word Network mm-hmm. you know, So your team really knows how to Need to know how to do that
4: Okay,
2: great And um... Talking about your music itself, I'm, I'm looking through uh, your career all these many years. Um, I can't I'm not say you, you pick certain people to sing certain things. Is the way when you compose a particular song, you have a person in mind that you want to deliver the song?
3: Sometimes a person, uh, I would say more than that, would be a kind of voice that okay. you might want to hear on a certain song. A certain voice that the uh, within a certain range, whether you want to hear a soprano singing it or you want to hear a tenor lead, or if you want to hear an alto lead, a contralto lead, baritone mm-hmm. lead, it just depends on on the melody of the tune and the kind of song it is if it's high energy if it's laid back, if it's mellow, if it's a hymn mm-hmm. you know if it if it's a hard gospel, you know you choose a voice for that,
2: okay, and I know you did a project of all the angels. Uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago and you had a multicultural group. How did that come up uh together? Uh, because you did some amazing work with uh I wish I had some in my group, uh some of the people that had all that energy and you had a, mm-hmm. a few Asian people that led. Did they audition for you? The how did that come to be?
3: They do. In the rehearsals we had that one week of the conference and uh mm-hmm. we take time to some two weeks.
2: Okay, and so they just audition for you, and, they, and you have in your mind what this should sound like, and if they have any energy, then they break out with it. Um, so I guess a call just dropped again. So I'm going to play this track, Part of All the Angels, and uh, for a break, and then we'll come back within about three minutes. <laughs> Amazing, amazing song. Uh mm-hmm. and that's one of the ones that came through you during the day and and you just composed it or did it take a little time to, to come up with this one?
3: Um mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't think that any of them take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Usually when you get a melody and uh well the way I do it anyway, I get a melody sometimes or or the concept of a song or a theme of a song,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh sometimes I work from a title. Well wow. maybe when I when I finish the song I may have had to change the title. Uh but sometimes just a thought like that and you create a melody around it. But that that tune, um, all the angels and the melody kinda came together. That lyric and the melody kinda happened together as does a lot of my stuff.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful ballad. It, it you you write some amazing ballads. I remember Give Me Pre uh Give Me Peace that you did in Houston, I think in eighty seven. Mm. That that smooth contrast and I think it was another one that you wrote, um, "Taste and See," that was
3: pretty similar as well. There's another. Oh yeah, this, that was now, that was not written by me. That was written yeah. by what is her name? Oh God, uh, I shouldn't know her name. I know Gill. Her last name is Pat, uh, Patricia Gill. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
2: so this was part of your music and art seminar that you did. Yeah.
3: That? Now, now for for that project, all of those projects, we allow writers to contribute music and uh we usually get quite a number of songs, and we try to pick out what we think would be the strongest songs for the week
2: okay and mm-hmm. uh give me peace uh that's written by give us peace mhm give us peace
3: give us peace that that's the title track right
2: yeah, it's the title tr- yeah, track yeah
3: i think i think if I'm not mistaken, that is uh I didn't write that who wrote that song? I don't recall. Okay. I don't recall who wrote that.
2: And um, uh question regarding the live performance. I know you did Jesus, I Love You. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you had, like, two different takes of it on uh, Jesus, I Love You and this live version of it. How did this particular song come to you? I remember you doing this at the Music and Art
3: Seminar in 83.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now that, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, now that was another old song that I heard as a child, and I just rearranged that one. That's the one that Tremaine sings, right? Mm
0: hmm.
3: Yeah. And then I think the live version was hers, I think, maybe, on one of her projects.
2: Yeah, I think there were several that came mm-hmm. out. That was a live version. Of course, version.
3: ours was live, too, though. With okay. The um, seminar. And I forget where that was done. Uh,
2: in, I know that. You see? Was, yeah, I'm still here. I, uh, a few years ago, you were on the Oprah Winfrey show. She did the Legends Ball, and they right. ended with "Old oh, Happy Day." Can you tell mm-hmm. us about that ex- particular experience? You guys were facilitating the music for the the worship session for that the worship service, or?
3: Well, it, it turned out to be a worship service. It was <laughs> we. Were, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were invited to her home as she was honoring the black female legends. Mm-hmm. Of our time And uh, we did a concert for them in, in her garden In her home in Southern California Wow And uh, it was quite amazing Because I mean the ladies, as you remember Were all dressed up in their spring hats and outfits And we actually had church So it was a great experience Wow
2: and I know you have uh, certain musicians That you always use I see a lot of Richard Smallwood on your projects In their the particular past <laughs> And you always seem like you stay with the same drums and, uh, not the drummer, the uh, bass player and and guitar player. So they, yeah. they pretty much you guys, just, they have a sound that you want and you've just been using them for many, many
3: years. Uh, yeah. You know, when you, when you get comfortable and you like and you appreciate <laughs> the, the talent, you know, it's easier too to work with people that know you and you know them and uh, they, they understand what you want. And uh, these guys give me what I want So it has been the same bass The same drummers uh, My the, my nephew has been the drummer Joe Nep- uh, Smith
0: mm-hmm.
3: And Jerry Jordan has been on bass uh, Jonathan DeBose Hasn't been with us in a while Who did guitar in many of the projects And with mm-hmm. the family as well um, Recent years we've used um, David Blakely A lot on organ mm-hmm. And also Derek Hall Some great players Wonderful musicians
2: Wow, let's talk about your new restaurant. Uh, I was just really surprised that before we went online about your your cooking. And uh, can you talk about yeah. your new restaurant that you have and and mm-hmm. tell us about the style and and the food itself and where it's located? Certainly.
3: Yeah. Well, we, we call it a cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a restaurant sounds a little bit too formal. <laughs> it's not. It's not formal at all. Although we do have linen on the tables, but it's not formal at all. Um, I learned to cook just watching both my mom and dad. They were both great cooks. Uh, mom just knew what to do with food, what seasonings to put in what. and So I just grew up watching them cook. And so, but I was not supposed to be the main chef, as it turned out to be. Walter was going to be the main chef. I was going to do, like, soups and salads and some desserts and sandwiches. But as he decided to go to heaven, you know, I, I ended up being the main chef. Wow. So we call it soul food with the gourmet flair, and that is because we do some Italian dishes. We also do uh, pan-seared salmon, tilapia, and, of course, catfish, you know, but all the soul food, the fried chicken, the collard greens, potato salad, mac and cheese, and uh, <laughs> and we do it all from scratch. Wow. I do all my own salad dressings, and one in particular, which we're, we're working on a cookbook now. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully that will be ready or finished by the end of this month. And uh, so you'll be hearing about that.
2: So where is the, the restaurant located? Uh,
3: the cafe is in Manteca, California, which is about okay. an hour southeast of Oakland, the Bay Area. Okay. In Manteca. And do you have and, the address? Uh, uh-huh. Yes, the address. Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Yeah. the address. 18, 1800 Yosemite Avenue, West Yosemite. In Manteca.
2: Okay. And the telephone number, if they want to call to kind of find where you Oh, know. I knew you
3: were going to ask me that. I don't remember numbers. It is 209-556. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I,
2: don't like that, don't
3: know. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have it here.
2: Okay. Uh, I'm sure I have it here somewhere. Uh, 209-665-4014. 665-4014. There you go. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Delight Cafe, that's what it's called?
3: Delight. D-E-Capital-L-I-T-E.
2: Okay. You don't have a website yet, do you?
3: Uh-huh. We do. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that is either.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it on the, the press release because uh, I put it on the website so people can kind of look it up. and.
3: Actually, you know, I think they're still putting that together. We've been open about a year, and so we're kind of still putting all that together.
2: Okay. Uh, no but problem.
3: We, we are putting together a website
2: okay, um so last couple of questions real quick um mm-hmm. about your your music itself. What do we have for to look for in the Edwin Hawkins? Now you have your own cafe and and uh about your music in the future
3: Mhm, uh, actually, we've come together with the new Edwin Hawkins singers, and we're working on a project currently. Wow, have done a couple um, songs in the studio so far. Mm-hmm. And with everybody's schedule, just trying to figure out when I can go back in the studio. So we're doing, you know, a couple of dates here and there. One of the the things we did last fall, last October, we yeah. haven't done anything since, we were at the Razz Room, which is a jazz uh, supper club in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and uh, did about four nights there, and that was fun to do. Uh, and we'll do that again this fall. And okay. so we're working on some other dates. I'm trying to decide on how I'm going to do that because I am the, the main chef, so i got to figure out. Uh, getting somebody else in there to cook when I'm gone. My sister Fetty helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I'm trying to you know, get all the, because she would be able to handle it by herself. So I got to get somebody else in there so that I can do my music again. Because I love my music.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, James sent a couple of tracks over here Lord of All. If you don't mind, I'll play this real quick and you can talk about that. And then. We're gonna talk about a few other things and and wrap it up. If anybody has any questions, you free, free, free feel free to call in at 347-324-3460 and to ask a question. So give me one second. Let me play Lord
0: of All. Mm-hmm.
2: Something
3: uh, kind from of past? No, that that project was released actually in 97.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. We did
3: that particularly for, um, we were going to Europe quite a bit then, and one of the promoters that we work with asked us if we would do the newer version that is on that project of Oh Happy Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just did a whole project for that. And of course, it was released here limitedly, but it uh, was released mainly for that market in Germany.
2: Okay. Uh, I know you have this, uh, this other track called uh, Love is the Only Way. Was that also on that same album, or there was something more recent? Yeah, that's the title track. Oh, for the album? Yes. Okay. For and the that same that is the ballad. Okay. Great. Um, in closing, if there was a favorite song uh, out of your entire library, what would you say, without using Oh Happy Day, because that's what you're going to be known, um, what other song I would say Would say This is Edwin Hawkins
3: From you Oh That's not an Easy one um,
2: <laughs> I can let you Think about it For a second And we can play Love is the only way And we can wrap things up
3: And that is That is one of my favorites Lyrically anyway
2: Okay Give me one second we'll Play this one okay. And then we're going to Start closing out
3: Alright Okay
2: Love is the only way
4: to talk to you. I'm from Africa and I wanted to have a couple of questions for you.
3: I'm sorry?
4: I said I'm from Africa and I had a couple of questions for you.
3: Oh, certainly. Sure. Go ahead.
4: Yeah. Have you ever been to Africa?
3: I've been to South Africa once.
4: Okay. And how do you feel about the fact that the song Oh Happy Days is sung all over Africa like it's embraced on the continent?
3: Oh, I've heard that it was sung everywhere in Africa. It's, it makes me very proud. In fact, when we were, my brother and I, Walter, we visited South Africa. It uh, was a short visit some years ago. I think it was 2003, if I'm not mistaken. And I've uh, longed to go back. I I said to him, even though I didn't get, I did not get a chance to experience other uh, parts of Africa, but want to. It was a sense, I don't know if it was a psychological thing or what, but it just felt like home. Wow. And I told I didn't yeah. want to leave, <laughs> but uh, of course I had to come back to to America, but I never okay. felt more sense of home uh, having traveled so, so many places around the world as I did in Africa. Oh,
0: that's great. And I'm sure it was hard
3: because I know that's where we're from, you know, but uh, yeah. I love it. What, what part of Africa are you from? Thank
4: you. I'm from Congo, Central Africa.
3: Oh, okay. So hopefully I'll get a yeah. chance to visit one day.
4: Hopefully. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Thank
2: you so for calling. Nice.
4: Thank you. Uh-huh.
2: Thank you. I guess in, in closing, uh, that question regarding your favorite song or a song that, uh, besides Oh Happy Day, that speaks to your heart, that is Milton mm-hmm. Hawkins, is there a particular song that stands out throughout your career?
3: You know, there's not really one. Now, the ballad that you just played, uh, that was a song that I I'd written some years ago for the family, the Hawkins family, and we did a, a different little different version. And mm-hmm. I wanted to do more ballad because I thought the message would be more clearly understood in a slow form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, it's not that exposure that uh, I hoped it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but because it, it, it says love is the only way, you know, I, I wish that we could love each other the way that we're supposed to, and not criticize, but Lyrically, it's part of the reason It's one of my favorite songs
2: Wow, it's a powerful message
3: Awesome mm. message In
2: closing, how would I like to be remembered?
3: Uh, simply as a human being that well, love God Wow That's awesome But
2: I appreciate you coming on to the program And I think you really bless our community Bless our business listeners We have a lot of people uh, listening to the program, and I really appreciate your time. And I guess just to recap real quick, your restaurant, uh, the name of it again is?
3: Delight Cafe. Okay. And uh, the
2: address and is located?
3: It location. is at 1800 East Yosemite Avenue in Manteca, California, and the telephone number is 209-665-4014. Great. Come Thanks. and see us.
2: <laughs> great. I'm gonna come out. Thanks now. for taking the time. Great. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you for coming on the program. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Again, this has been another production of uh Apple Capital Group, our sponsor. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show. Uh take care and have a great night.
1: Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacqu. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the Core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.